Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB, we're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. Those are the best days to make up a weekend with. Uh, the Auckland Aces have won something. Um, Joe Morgan, the, you know, the other Morgan. I'll remind you exactly who she is in a minute. And, and then Pax Society is a comedian who's got a new program out. But before any of that, uh, this uh, un sightly business in the Ukraine is at the beginning of World War 3 uh, is it going to be nuclear war I know that's a cheery way to start the podcast isn't it thanks very much Helen Clark uh, we've seen the the big the sanctions that have been announced but also with the news that Germany's joined a bunch of other countries to send weapons what is the role of sanctions and is the sending of these weapons an indication that the West needs to do much more to support Ukraine well I think the economic sanctions as they ramp up, will be damaging. seems that as of today, uh, European time, uh, there has been agreement to exclude uh, certain Russian banks, not all yet, as far as I can see, from the SWIFT uh, banking transaction system. And that's that's where most of the world's financial flows between banks are going. Now, a quick check shows that when Iran was excluded from the SWIFT financial transaction system, it lost 30% of its foreign trade. Think about that, 30%. Wow. Uh, So at some point, particularly if they go further to more and more Russian banks, you will start to get very, very nervous business oligarchs in Russia. And President Putin keeps very close to the oligarchs. I mean, the fact that you're an oligarch and cooperate your business means you haven't defended him and you're not in jail. Some do end up in jail for speaking out against him. So in a funny way, it may be more the crippling effect of sanctions that has an impact than the West sending, you know, small arms and anti-aircraft defence through back roads in Ukraine. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure everything will work out fine. Right, Jack, it'll all be fine. Having played world police for the last 70-odd years, the American public has little appetite for foreign wars. Joe Biden has ruled out fighting with Russian troops, and the Afghanistan fiasco has reminded everyone that actually the world's mightiest military power perhaps isn't so mighty after all. The threat of sanctions was insufficient to stop Vladimir Putin, and that's it. I think it also has to be said that the US ceded the moral high ground. There is an obvious hypocrisy in seeing American leaders rage against Russia's invasion of a sovereign country. Putin opposed the invasion of Iraq. If it was okay for the US to invade sovereign territory on the other side of the world, why can't Russia invade its neighbour? And my third point's this. Once again, I think we've been reminded of the impotence of international organisations. You know, countries like New Zealand can strongly condemn and blah, 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 blah. But that won't do anything. The UN is totally hamstrung by the Security Council's power of veto. Russia's biggest trading partner, China, is conspicuous in its relative silence. So far, refusing to condemn the Russian invasion and likely gaming out what the international response would mean for potential similar action in Taiwan. Yep, we are watching the world order change in real time. And I suppose all we can really do is hope 
that it isn't too bloody. Oh, I'll tell you what, it, it seems to have been a complete mess over the weekend. I'm not talking about the um, war in Ukraine. I'm talking about um, the Auckland Aces um, celebrations after uh, winning their domestic competition. Here's George Worker. How about the celebrations last night, mate? Yeah, good day, Jason. Um, yeah, 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 bloody good. Um, bit, of a, bit of a sore head this morning. Um, just got into the Cory Lounge and uh, trying to get some water on board. But um, no, nah, it was good fun. Cheers. Now, talk to me first of all about the move to Auckland because we're so used to watching you play for the Stags in, in recent times. How did the move to, to play for Auckland come about? Yeah, um, I've been living up in Auckland for the last sort of seven years so and just um, commuting down to, to CD to play my cricket. So I've been spending a lot of time on the road throughout the summer. So um, 32 now, and I just got to the decision. I either had to sort of move, move to Napier, move my life to Napier, and carry on playing the Stags, or um, or move to the Aces. And um, Heinrich, uh, Heinrich, our, our coach, approached me over the winter and asked me to come up north. And um, yeah, after a, after a tough decision, um, I made the, made the move to the Aces. Yeah, I guess living in Auckland that that uh, geographically made things easier. But was it hard to leave the Central boys you'd played with for so long? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I formed some great relationships with those boys over the years, and um, thoroughly enjoyed my cricket. So, it, it definitely wasn't an easy decision. And um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's so far so so good, and I really enjoy my time up in Auckland as well. Yeah, you've been around the first class scene for a while now, so presumably you, you know a lot of the guys in the Auckland team. But was it an easy team to slot into for you? Yeah, it's been great. Um, the boys are welcoming me with open arms, and um, obviously having that relationship with uh, with Heinrich Milana, or the ex Auckland coach now, um, made it made things easier as well. And yeah, as you say, I know know the boys well, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed the time so far. How did you find it playing against the Stags? Didn't they give you a bit of jib? <laughs> Not too much. I got a little bit of jib earlier in the season when uh, they had the had the rub over the rub of the green over me in the in the twenty twenty games, but. Um, it was nice to nice to do well yesterday and um, and, and on Thursday as well. So um, yeah, nice to nice to get up over them. Yeah, there's those things you can do uh, when you have a hangover that sometimes do help. Um, obviously, you know, drinking whatever it was you drank the night before, the old hair of the dog. That's one thing you can go with. Um, things like hash browns and mince and cheese pies, hot chips, stuff like that. Milkshake maybe. Another thing, I do wonder sometimes if being interviewed on a network radio show, nationwide radio show, if that's a help or if it makes things worse. I've got a suspicion which of those it is. Uh, let's move on to uh, uh, Joe Morgan now. Uh, she is uh, Gareth's wife, Gareth Morgan, and Sam's mum. So they're probably the two more famous Morgans, but she's pretty clever herself. Mountaineer, been in avalanches, you know, just, just your use. I was going to ask you whether you thought, um, you know, your mother would have let you bought a motorbike at 15 if you weren't the youngest child. Was there a little bit of leniency there? I'm sure there was. I'm sure by the time you get to number eight, you're sort of a bit more relaxed. You know, you realise that kids have got their paths and... Um, Really, you're just there to feed them until they leave home and do what they're going to do. That's my feeling about them anyway. Motorbikes. What appealed to you about a motorbike? It's great. You don't have to socialise. You can be there by yourself and enjoying uh, the smells is a really big thing for me. And I remember when I was really newly on a motorbike, lying down at the side of the road going to Queenstown and just 
lying in the long grass thinking, wow, this is just heaven. Was it a sense of freedom? Well, maybe it was. But it was just that um, another dimension that you could get places that there's no public transport. And I think that um, that's been one of the things that's helped us have such cool adventures all around the world on our motorbikes. So Dancing with the Machine is the story of Go Woman's life there. Um, I was the youngest in my family by eight and a half years. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, brother and my two sisters were more like aunties and uncle and an uncle, really, than anything else. So, I think mum and dad had basically completely given up by the time I came around. That's why I ended up the way I did. So, yeah, I blame them. All of them. All five of them. Uh, we're going to f- finish up here with Pax Asadi. Who knows why he turned out the way he did. Uh, but he's got a, um, a new uh, uh, TV series out, apparently. Who is Pax Asadi? Uh, Pax Asadi is a uh, son of refugee parents who came here in the late 80s. Right. Um, as a result of quite a large exodus of Iranians from Iran um, as a result of being Baha'i. Right. Um, Baha'i is a a faith. It's a religion. A a religion. Being a Baha'i, the Baha'i faith is a religion, uh, a world religion. Um, The best religion, many have said. Yeah, or (laughs) I wouldn't, yeah, yeah, we'll say the best religion. (laughs) I'm saying that, I'm saying that, I'm putting words in your mouth very cruelly, sorry. And I'm taking those words and I'm I'm keeping them in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I'm chewing on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, not the best religion, a religion. Yeah. Um, That was persecuted in Iran and still is persecuted as a result of an extremist regime. Right. Um, So a lot of Baha'is left. And my, my father was one of those people who escaped to Pakistan. And that is where he met my Pakistani mother. And he spent three years in Pakistan. And then from there, um, found asylum in New Zealand and came here in the late 80s. And I was born in 91. In New Zealand? In New Zealand, in Auckland, yeah. Right. So so you, um, your parents had only been in New Zealand for a relatively short period when yes. you were born. And yeah. I can imagine the contrast between Pakistan and Iran and New Zealand in the late 80s, early 90s oh, yeah. were significant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge. So how did that rub off on you? I think the biggest implication it had on me was having parents that for a long time didn't really understand this society. Right. But I'm born into this society. So, and this is an experience shared uh, across many first generation immigrants, but you are in this society, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to figure out what your place is, you're trying to be popular or cool or just accepted at a basic level um and then you have parents that don't understand it at all and expect you to operate in it the same way that they operated in their world right which is completely different so the show is called raised by refugees i've been watching raised by wolves and i was hoping that this was like a spin-off of that um if you're not familiar with raised by wolves there aren't actually any wolves in it the the kids are actually android. Uh, the parents of the kids are actually androids, not wolves. We know why it's called Raised by Wolves now that I think of it. Uh, there's no. I don't think there's any wolves in the in Pax Society's one either. But if you're looking for wolves, programs about wolves, I don't know where, where you go for those. Nat Geo, maybe. And not this podcast, anyway. No wolves here. I'm Glenn ZB. 
uh, that has been used to the Been the Weekend edition. Uh, I'll see if I can find some wolves and bring them to you tomorrow.